0: we are dealing with some really just tough topics and we're answering the question why. And I think some of the things that happen in our lives or things that we see that happen in the world can sometimes shake our belief. We want to believe, but there's these things that seem to impede my belief. And so we've been tackling these things. And today we're going to, we're going to look at the topic of why does evil exist? And this is, this is a a deep topic and we're continuing to study for over the next couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm praying that this helps you to to realize that um, God is not oblivious to these things, and that God knows what's going on in our world, and that God is still in control of our world, when, when even when we seem like things are out of control. And uh, I am just so grateful. I uh, asked Eric West to come and, and delve into this heavy topic today. Eric uh, started out at our church as a youth, and our youth group, been been coming to our church for a very long time, him and his wife. Gina have five kids, and their kids are six eight, 10, 12, and 14. And they were all born two years apart in the summer. But what's cooler than that about their family is that they all have red hair. they If you see them running around our church, that 's the West clan, and they are just the cutest bunch of kids. I think that might be a Guinness Book of world Records there i don 't know i don 't know but that's i don 't know of any other family like that. Um, Eric uh, is a chaplain for the at the at the Medical center at the U of r he has three theological master's degrees from uh, Liberty University, so I said. Uh, I'm bringing the big guns in today for this topic. So uh, I was so glad when Eric said, yeah, I would love to come and share on that topic. And he did specific studies of this topic in school. And so I'm so glad that, that Eric is here just sharing the word of God with us. We appreciate his family. His wife, Gina, oversees our national girls' ministries. And we're just so glad that they're uh, part of our, our church family. And I'm really glad that Eric's going to share on this very sensitive topic today. So would you give Eric a warm welcome as he comes and just shares the word of God with us? Thanks.
1: Thank you, Pastor. I spoke on the topic of evil and the issue of suffering a couple years back, Um, but having served as a chaplain now at Strong Hospital, it's taken on a whole different meaning and a whole different... um, I've had a whole different perspective. I've been serving as a chaplain now for about six months, uh, working on uh, clinical pastoral education credits, and I have to say as a chaplain... It's my calling. I wanted to go into ministry. I was, became a Christian right before I turned age 15 and went to Acquire the Fire up at the old Kodak Theater. And I remember our youth group, we decided to go forward to pray with a few kids who wanted to accept Christ. And I remember stepping out into that aisle and hearing the voice of God saying, I love you. Come back to me. And then I didn't make it down to the front of the altar before there was a weeping 14-year-old boy accepting Christ and I wanted to go into ministry and for years it was hit and miss and I served in a bunch of different roles over the years and different congregations and things down south where we I went to school uh, but being a chaplain uh, you deal with it you deal with the problem of evil on, on a day-to-day basis and pastor approached me a few weeks ago asking uh, you know would you mind speaking on this topic and I said absolutely Uh, It's a subject that I've had an interest in over the years in my education. We talk about theodicy, which is an argument about evil, dealing with the issue of evil, because just like we talk about, I want to believe, but why does evil exist? Why is it there? And what is the Christian response to it? So I want to go ahead and spend a few minutes with you today to really talk about the problem of evil, and it's going to be a little bit heady at first, but we're going to end on a practical note as to what each and every one of us can do in, in the face of evil. So first of all, let's, let's spend a few minutes and let's talk about what evil is. So some will say that evil is just a privation of good. We, the world is good. The universe is good. But evil is something different. It's it's a derivative of the world that we live in. Some people would say that evil is a parasite on the universe. We think of God creating the world and the fallen angels that come in there and creation, and we're gonna talk about that here in a minute. But that evil is basically just a parasite on the world that's there. But as a parasite, it's pretty tough. At Strong, I see uh, kids with cancer. I actually have several units that belong to me personally. I oversee them. Uh, The neurological ICU, where people have just living their day-to-day lives, and then they wind up getting a headache, and it's a stroke, and then they're there. And I sit with the families and talk to them. Or the Golisano Hospital, I'm hope you all donated. They had a little fundraiser there. You might have seen it on TV. It's a great place, totally dedicated to helping kids. And I see kids with all different issues, from eating disorders to medical conditions, cancer, um, blood disorders, things like that, um, and more. So, I mean, if evil is a parasite and evil is something that's, that's some would say is small, it sure makes a big impact. But we can define evil in two different ways. There's two different flavors, if you will, of evil that's out there. One is what we typically know is moral evil. Moral evil is bad things, bad things that people do to other people. Um, Gunshots, stabbings, that bumper that we had there, the school shootings. Just turn on the news, just turn on the news and you're going to see moral evil all over the place. It gets depressing after a while, especially now with the 24-hour news cycle that we have. There's also natural evil. Natural evil is you know, earthquakes, and tornadoes, the tsunami that we saw a couple of years back where 100,000 people or so were, were killed, um, or even diseases, diseases that are there, cancer and blood disorders, and AIDS. And, You name it. Those would be natural evils. That's where the world inflicts evil upon us. And we ask why. Many would look upon the evil in the universe, and you're going to hear this argument, and so that's why I want to touch on it real quick. The look on evil, why does evil exist? I want to believe, but evil exists, so I can't believe that God is there. Or I can't believe that God actually cares. Because if God cared, or if he was there, this wouldn't have happened to me. The argument against God's existence comes from the fact that evil is there. If God exists, if God exists, why is there evil? Well, surely God is, God is all-powerful, right? We sing songs about that, we talk about that. God is all-powerful, but evil exists, so he must not be all-powerful. Or, God is good, right? He's all good. Well, if he's good, then why do these bad things happen to me? So maybe God, God's not good. So the argument that you'll hear, and I hear this in a lot of circles that I get, and I get that from people who are suffering too, is God must not be good or he must not be powerful because I'm suffering and the world's suffering and evil exists. So maybe he's not there at all. What that is, is, is an attack on God's nature, on his power, on his very existence. And that's assuming a few things. And I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you this right now. God is a great God. And God is there. And God is good. And God does care. The argument from evil is like, why does evil exist if God is, if God is great? That's assuming, that's assuming that God is unwilling to handle evil. It's assuming that God is unwilling to handle evil. It's assuming that God is incapable of handling evil. But neither of these ideas are fully true. And I would give one example. Jesus Christ. The fact that we have Jesus Christ shows that God is real, that God does care, and that God is good. That's where you all say amen. So. <laughs> the person of Jesus Christ came and took, took care of the issue of sin. It shows that God is capable of dealing with the problems that we have. It shows that God is willing to do whatever it takes to deal with the evil that's in the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God pulls out all the stops in the person of Jesus Christ to deal with the evil in the world. So when people come to you and they say, well, God can't be all good or God can't be all powerful because evil exists. I want to believe, but you point them to Jesus Christ and say, he's the epitome. He is God's answer. There has to be some sort of moral good to the universe. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I love, and he put it in his book, Mere Christianity. And he says, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust. So again, not only do we have the person of Jesus Christ, the testimony of a scripture, we have it built into ourselves. I'm sitting there saying, I want to believe that in God, but evil exists. Well, how do you know what it is unless God's innately put it into you of what is good and what is right so you know what's wrong? So when you encounter people that sit there and they talk about, I want to believe, but why does evil exist? Again, and they sit there and they, they try to trip you up with that idea. Like I said, point to yourselves. Point to that innate moral compass that you have. And then point to the person of Jesus Christ as, as your answer. So the argument about this, again, can be real heady. But I don't want to stay here today. I just want to kind of give you that as a, as a preface, as something in your toolbox. I'm going to give you a lot of things for your toolbox today because this is a deep philosophical and theological question. So we'll say now, I'm going to assume everybody here in the room is in agreement that God is good, he's powerful, he exists. So we're going to all going to agree on that. I see heads nodding. That's good. So what does the Bible say about evil? Where does evil come from? Where does it stem from? And in your first, hope you all have your handout here. Evil is a result of the free will of humanity. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go way back to the beginning. Beginning of time itself. Genesis chapter 1. It's right there in the beginning of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1 very last verse of chapter 1, 131. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. I want you to to look at that last three words that are there. Was very good. One of the things that we had to uh, do in seminary uh, while I earned those master's degrees and went into a ridiculous amount of student loan debt was uh, take Greek and take Hebrew. Uh, I took Greek three times, still Greek to me. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I know friends of mine that sit there and they could parse out stuff and I'm like, nope. And I'd sit in the cafeteria and my wife was a music major and she'd be doing music stuff and I'd be doing Greek stuff and I'd complain about my Greek, and she complained about the music, you know, the notes. And so we'd swap, and then we'd swap it back. Be like, "Nope, not going to do it because I don't even understand the music." So I was really in trouble. Uh, I took a course in Hebrew, and uh, my Greek-Hebrew lexicon was of next to no use. Um, So that's why the internet's great, Uh, and Strong's concordance is online if you if you like it, but. One of the things we did have to go over was um, they wanted us to go over um, Genesis in Hebrew. And I'm actually glad they did, because some things did stick out to me. And this verse stuck out to me. Because in here, and we're going to have to dust off your Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word very is mechod. I can't roll my R's that well. But the idea, we lose something in the translation here. In English, we say it's very, you know. That's it's really kind of watered down. It's, it's really kind of watered down. The idea in in Hebrew is abundantly, exceedingly a lot better words than than very. There's a force behind this idea of good. In verses and I want to point out too that if we look at we all know the creation story. God creates the sun, the moon, the sky, the fish the plants the animals people all we get is good verses 10 12 18 21 25 we get good god saw that it was good and it was evening and morning and so and so it was good but when you take the totality of the universe this is at the very end god is literally sitting back and i can just imagine him sitting on his throne And again, this is the God of the universe holding the universe. I just pictured this giant sphere, and he's just holding it in the palm of his hand because our God is a great God. And he's sitting there, and he looks back, and he says, this is very good. It's not just good. It's very good. So I want to emphasize this point because the universe and the world that we live in, the world that you and I inhabit, was not designed to be this way. It was not designed to be this way. It was designed to be very good. So what happened? Seventeen verses later, we screw it up. That's all it takes. God gives humanity free will. Genesis two seventeen. God gives humanity free will. You can do anything you want. You're in charge of this garden. Take care of it. Name the animals. Have fun. Just don't eat that tree. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. That's the one choice. Anything else you want to do, you can eat this tree. You can go here, ride around on unicorns, whatever was there in the Garden of Eden. It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to do, but just don't do this one thing. We do it. And we all know how it goes. And you and I... As descendants of sinners, are sinners ourselves. And God judged Adam and Eve, and that's why we suffer, and that's why there's death. And God also put the suffering on the world as well, where he says, thorns and thistles will inhabit the ground. So not only as humanity, our job was to take care of the earth. So not only did we bring suffering upon ourselves, but we brought suffering upon nature itself. And since we're all the offspring of Adam and Eve, we all suffer too. The Bible points this out in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And Paul goes ahead and he writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Again, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. These are Christians, but he's writing to them, reminding of them of where they came from. Rabbi Kushner wrote a book years ago, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. I would challenge that to to have him edit the title, Why Do Bad Things Happen to People, because there's no such thing as a good person, with the exception of Jesus Christ. Evil is a result of the free will of humanity, and that's why evil as a force exists in the universe today. But time and time again, at strong and I'm sure you've heard this too, and you may have even thought it at one point or another. I'm sure you have, because all of us do. Say, I'm a good person. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. Why do bad things happen to me? Why does evil come upon me? Like I said, it's, I see people in the hospital all the time. Every Friday, I'm on call in the afternoon to handle pages. When I first got there, they gave us a pager. And I'm like, really? This is like 1990s technology. Surely we got something better. This is 2017. And they said, just wait. One day a week, you're on call in the afternoon. You get another pager. I was like, wow, I'm special. I get two pages. But the, the pager, the big pager, as I call it, never has any good messages on it. The other Friday, I was down there. I went down to the emergency room department because two people had suffered from a house fire. And then someone, a teenager, was shot. And then a lady came in because uh, she was having a stroke and she was transferred. And I was down in the emergency room department for two hours straight, sitting with people, praying with people, talking to people, helping people get through that. And the question comes up every week, why is this happening to me? One of the other units I have is uh, the Wilmot Cancer Center. And I sat with a man and, he was a Catholic man, and he goes, chaplain, I don't understand. Why is this happening to me? Why is this evil happening to me? He goes, I, I follow the commandments, I try to go to church. Granted, I didn't go to church as much as I should have, but I, I try to go to church. I'm not like those other people. I don't lie. I'm not a pedophile. I'm not a thief. I'm not a, he just went down this whole list. I'm a good person. So again, that question's asked. I had another gentleman. His wife had just passed away from cancer after a 10-year running battle. We'll call him Fred. Fred was a great guy. Helped his wife through cancer for 10-plus years. She didn't make it. But he rebounded, spent about seven, eight months, went to support group, making friends, living life, trying to get over that, trying to move on. He got cancer. And he passed away. But I remember sitting in his room and he asked that question too. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Why do bad things why do bad things happen? So what's the answer to that? When somebody comes to you and they say, okay, so if God is good and God is great, and evil is a result of the free will of mankind, what purpose does evil have? What purpose does it have? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? Before I delve into the reasons that evil can be there in your situation, I just want to point out one thing, and I want you to hear me. It's okay to ask why. Many of us in the Christian faith have a problem with asking God why. It's okay to ask why. The book of Job is an entire book filled with the question, why? We know why. We know why, because we have the inside scoop that God and Satan are having a a throwdown in heaven where Satan is like, you take away all of his stuff, surely he'll curse you and die. Job loses his kids, all of his stuff. Even his health, his friends see him some far away, and they, reckon, they they know it's him, but they can see the affliction on him. So much so that they're not even towards his house yet, and they start weeping for him. And Job asks why. God never gets on his case for asking why. God talks about how he's in control. God talks about how he's sovereign. But God never smacks Job upside the head and says, you can't ask that question. But we in the Christian faith sometimes have a problem. We think why equals doubt. It doesn't. We're mortal. We're human beings. We see through a mirror darkly, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. We don't understand. Why does evil exist? Why? You can ask that question. So what is the answer then? Why do bad things happen? What can I take comfort in? I give you four different, four different positions. Again, this is for your toolbox. This is for your toolbox. The first one is God allows bad things to happen for his glory. Folks like uh, John Piper, John MacArthur, a lot of Christian theologians will hang their hat on this idea. So that miracle that occurs when people are cured of whatever disease they're at, his glory. The people that are suffering for whatever reason, his glory. Strengthening of your, t- your, your faith in times of trial, his glory. Evil exists that God can be glorified through it somehow, some way, some shape, some form. This one's a hard one, I'll admit. This one's a hard one. For some folks, especially when you're in the middle of doing it. I've heard people say that this makes God seem narcissistic, but God also is the greatest thing in the universe, so does not God deserve deserve glory? God allows bad things to happen to test your faith is the second point. As I mentioned, bad things can go ahead and they can test your faith. Again, the book of Job is filled with the question of why. Satan comes to God and says, you're blessing him. Of course he worships you. He's got it good. He's got it made. Test him. See what happens. Take away his stuff. Take away his health. Take away his kids. You may be going through that today. You may have lost your job. Your kids may not talk to you. You may be suffering from some type of disease. You may be going through all these different things. You may be sitting here today suffering in silence because of broken marriages, broken health, broken issues. And you're asking why? It could be a test of your faith. James writes to the church in James chapter 1, he says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. The Christian life is not a race. The Christian life, well, the Christian life is a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And dare I say we will have bumps. There will be valleys as well as mountaintops. James says, Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Peter also says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. Confirm, strengthen, and establish you, 1 Peter 5.10. So, God allows bad things to happen for his glory. God allows evil to occur in your life, and bad things to happen to test your faith. God allows, the third point would be, God allows bad things to happen to bring about good. Pastor talked about this last week. We talk about suffering, and Pastor brought up Romans eight twenty eight. It's a verse pretty much everybody knows. We know that all those, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, are you called according to His purpose? So that means all things. And Pastor stole my line because he said last week, "All means all, and all all means." I like that line. I want to use it, but he used it first. But I won't hold it against him. But it's true. It's true. And that's tough. Again, these are things for your toolbox. These are things for you to to hang your hat on. These are ideas for you to, 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 to ruminate about and to think about when you're sitting here and you're going through this. Or you see someone else going through this. That's what this is supposed to go ahead and to help you with. The last point. Sometimes God allows bad things to happen for reasons we don't understand. If I'm honest, this is probably the one that most of us face all the time. I can sit there and say, well, God's going to get glorified through this. I can say it's testing my faith. I can say some sort of greater good will come out of this. But I'll tell you what, when you're in the middle of this, I don't understand, God. I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is there evil? Like the thing of the school shooting that we saw, or we read on the news of the kid out in Chile that was killed in a car accident, or the other girl that was down in Naples that died of flu complications. I don't understand. I don't understand. So sometimes things we don't understand them in the here and now. I would say maybe years down the road, and I've I told my wife this, I said, you know, that I sincerely, sincerely hope that when it's time for me to go, that as I'm there in the bed, I imagine that God's gonna pull up a chair. He's gonna sit next to me. We're gonna talk about my life and the choices and the issues and the things I went through, we're going to have a good laugh because I didn't understand what was going on then. But he was there the entire time. But that's tough. This is tough. This is honest. This is real. We don't understand what we're going through. We don't understand why we're suffering. We're in the middle of this, and it's like, God, I don't understand what is going on. So with that in mind, I want to touch on the practical part of this message real quick. Things happen for reasons we don't understand. That person, that friend of yours, that family member is suffering. You don't understand why. You don't know why you're suffering. You don't know why they're suffering. You don't know. You don't understand why this is going on. So if you you have these ideas, you have these things in your toolbox, you have these theological constructs, but I'm going to tell you something, and if you don't hear anything else in this entire sermon, pay attention to the next few minutes. I will speak for myself. Over the years, I've done a lot of theologizing about evil. A lot of theologizing. My kids—they get a kick out of it. Um, you know, I, my wife heard um, a message from from somewhere, and she goes, Is that, you know, "I don't understand." It's I, 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 it doesn't sound biblically based. I, I kind of went off uh, on it. And uh, so I was down there explaining, you know how you get on your soapbox? And I was on my soapbox. So I was done, and my oldest daughter, Katie, comes down. And um, I said, oh, sorry. I said, sorry, I was a little loud. And she says, no, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. She says, hello, Dave, my 12-year-old. She goes, Dave was wondering what was going on. And she said, I, Dad's just theologizing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so they wait until I'm down for my soapbox. But the idea is, is that I've done a lot of theologizing about evil. And when people are going through issues, things that they don't understand, you know what they don't want? They don't want theologizing. These ideas and these principles, I want you to take with you. I want you to have it here. Okay. I want you to have it for yourself. I want you to have it in your head and in your heart that what's going, that evil exists because of the free will of humanity. But we have a great God and a loving God who's answered the problem of evil through Jesus Christ and that things will happen for his glory and things will happen for a greater good that we don't understand and, 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 They will be testing your faith. But sometimes, like I said, we don't understand exactly what is going on. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act in the face of evil? Your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. You have the Bible in front of you. It's on page 623. Paul goes, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver my body up to be burned, then I have not love, I gain nothing. Having the answers, but no love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. I love, you drop down a couple verses and he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Paul himself, now I know in part. I have a rough idea why this is going on, but I don't fully understand why this is happening. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. When asked in the book of Matthew, what are the two greatest commandments, Lord? Jesus said, love God, love people. Paul says we see through a mirror darkly. The greatest thing to do is love. I want you to go ahead and you see Romans twelve fifteen. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So in the face of evil, in the face of what we don't understand, what we're supposed to do is we get out from the podium, we get out of the pew, and you know what we do? We wind up sitting next to that person, and they say, I don't understand what's going on. This stinks. I don't get this. They don't want theologizing. They want you to take and put your arm around them and say it does stink. It is horrible. What you're going through, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're going through. But I'm here for you. Half the time, my job as a chaplain is just doing that. Sometimes people will be at that point where they want those theological constructs and they want those answers. And that's great. And we can give those answers to people who want that. But I'm going to tell you right now the majority of people just want you, in the face of evil, to love them and to be there with them. Whether it's a loss of a kid, loss of health, loss of things, suffering, evil in the world we sit there and we turn on the news as Christians our response to a world that is suffering from evil is to be love and that is a high calling and that is a tough calling Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world Jesus has overcome the world but we are here in the world, but you know what we are? We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet and the mouth of Christ here on earth. So our job is to go into the world and tell the good news and to love on the people that are there. The great Catholic priest and speaker Henry Newman said, in the solitude of the heart, we can truly listen to the pains of the world because there we can recognize them not as strange and unfamiliar pains but as pains that are indeed our own things that that person is going through you may have already gone through or you may go through but the idea is you to love people in a world of evil of war famine Earthquakes, tsunamis, school shootings, stabbings, car accidents. We love. We love. That's supposed to be our answer. You can give people all the theological constructs that you want, but at the end of the day, people need a hug and people need comfort That you know that letting them know that you'll be there. So, again, if you walk out of here today with nothing else, when you see evil in the world, see evil happening to your neighbor or in your own life, God is a God of love, and God loves you. And by extension, we're to love each other. Let's pray. Great, merciful God, you do love us so much. And Lord, we can we can hang our hat on the fact that you exist and that you are powerful and that you are good and that you sent your Son into the world to handle our sin, to deal with the poor consequences of our free will. But Lord, as we suffer in this world, we pray... That you would help us. Help us to see, if it be your will, the answers to why we suffer in the specific situation that we're in. But Lord, when we are surrounded by evil and we turn on the news and we hear it on the radio and we see it in our lives or our friends and our family and even in our own, help us, Lord. Help us to love and help us to be there for those who are hurting. Help us to be your hands. In your feet, in your mouthpiece, here on Earth. Just go before us and help us, we pray. And all God's people said, "Amen."